Welcome to the Winter Palace. I'm your host, Mark Cole, editor and publisher of Odessa Steps Magazine. We welcome back to the show today Dr. Lucha Steve Sims to talk about the anniversary of the Atlantis Viano 3 mask match, which is being honored at CMLL's Dos Leyendas show next week. We talk about the classic match, we talk about this year's Dos Leyendas show, the rest of the Lucha news, and then a bunch of talk about spring training and prospects for this year's baseball season. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Winter Palace. The anniversary of a famous match in Lucha Libre history is coming up this week, and to talk about it, the dubious way it is being honored, other Lucha news, and his annual trip to spring training and preseason baseball talk, we welcome back to the show Dr. Lucha Steve Sims. How's it going, Steve? It's going fine. I'm call- this, this podcast is the first one we have taped since my permanent uh, residential move to Las Vegas, so I now, for example, I get uh, a program you're familiar with at that as an app, and I have no home teams that are blocked out. So I'm a happy camper. I'm surprised. They're but we, not... we'll get to, we'll get to that after wrestling. We'll get to that after wrestling. But I was going to say it was something that was on my mind. Well, yeah, um, yeah, we'll get to it. But I always just if, in case I forget, I remember one of the things that. Uh, was being discussed when Las Vegas was getting their NHL expansion team was, I guess it's technically the Kings market and whether or not the Golden Knights would have to pay an indemnity to the Kings to, for their TV rates and all that sort of thing. But we'll get to it. But it's just funny that, yeah, yeah, that's, I know there's a couple places in the country that have no team, but are sort of, uh, under the auspice, under the umbrella of a couple of different teams, so people get screwed like more than one way. Then you would think they shouldn't get screwed at all. But we'll get to that. So uh, that's right. We'll get to that. That's right. But yes, there is an anniversary. One of the most famous matches of lucha, in lucha libre history, and arguably the most famous match of the last twenty years, was a match held March the seventeenth, two thousand where Atlantis and Viano 3 bet their masks. The, the underneath purpose of that card originally was to establish or firmly establish that the mid-March date, a, a date near the uh, birthday of the founding of, founder of CMLL, as a sort of second-tier um, or very close-to-tier anniversary show. They just wanted to – it was a marketing decision. It was a booking decision. They wanted to have a – roughly a second anniversary show without it being quite as important as the first so that everybody knew they, you know, the, in, the, which was the more important, the, the higher ticket prices. So they had this big show and Atlantis won the mask of Viano three. And this year, that particular show is back for its latest reincarnation. It's called the homenage, the homenage de dos So they honor two legends. And the two legends being honored are the founder of CML himself, and this year it's Viano Three. Poor Viano Three. He has had more than one stroke. He can barely talk. He can barely move, as anybody who watched him in the ring at Triple Mania uh, a couple of years ago will attest to. 
but he is being honored with a mask match, another mask match that if he were alive today, he would probably piss on as you're going to honor me with that. I said the other day that uh, the the main event of this year's show is not honoring the Atlantis Viano three match. It's honoring that Viano's match from Triple Mania last year because this match <laughs> might just be as bad, if not worse. This it could be. It could be. They will they will have seconds. They presumably Atlantis and Rush, who are not slugs. They will have a referee in Tirantes who is, if anything else, a showman. And I would expect them to pull every trick in the book they can out, including a, a one-minute first fall and a one-minute second fall to get those out of the way, to try and hide the fact that these two wrestlers are awful. One, one is the very bottom of the entire scale of wrestlers in CMLL. That's Pierre Ross. The other is the bottom of the passable scale. Diamante Azul can move and work around. He's he's not good, but he's not he's not as 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 appalling as Pierre Roth is. And and to put the two together in a match that, as far as I know, they've they've had very little singles match practice on it. They may be practicing regularly in the gym, but you, you can't tell it by looking at their their warm up matches. It's going to be a match quality unlike anything that CMLL has run at, at either anniversary or Dos Leyendas in, in years and years and years. We will get to this year's card, but first I wanted to, to talk about the 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 original match. Um, that feud had been building for a while, including the previous year's anniversary show, which had... Uh, Atlantis and Viano 3 as teammates versus Shocker and Mr. Niebla who were feuding at the time and then the loser of that match the two guys had to fight and then the loser of that lost their match which ended up being Shocker I watched I watched both I watched both of those matches this afternoon and that I w- it's funny now I mean it is 18 years later but it's amazing how much agile and athletic both Mr. Niebla and Shocker were back then, and you sort of forget how big they were. Big in in the importance sense, or big in the in the physical body sense? I mean, both. Uh, I sort of meant uh, importance, not necessarily. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, physique, although I mean, they're I mean, they're both. I mean, they're not you know, sort of as middle-aged and chunky as they are now, but they're still pretty, pretty decently sized guys. <laughs> yeah, they are. They are. They're four, they're four men that look like they're roughly, uh, they're not equivalent to each other in size, but they're close enough. It's not, it's not like, Oh, I don't know. Say Braun Strowman against, against Ray Mysterio Jr. Or something like that. It's, it's, it all makes sense. And it was, you know, it, it was the old youth versus experience battle. It was the the um, uh, time where CMLL was trying to promote new stars to compete with um, AAA, which was getting higher ratings on on, on Televisa than they were, and all kinds of little back scene backstage scenarios were going on, including at first when they approached Fiano Three, and this was before the anniversary show. 
he wasn't ready to lose the mask yet. I don't know to this day whether it was if he wasn't ready because the price wasn't high enough or he wasn't ready at any price. But eventually, that that obviously that got solved by by the following March. Mm-hmm. But yes, they were 17 years ago. Atlantis was you know 50, 37, and everybody was much younger, and and they could go. It was a it was the a result that I expected. But I think a lot of fans expected Mr. Diablo to be the one to, to lose his mask. I think it was to to a lot of the fans in attendance. I think it was a, a kind of surprise. Well, the finish, something that that CMLL is not noted for in this century and having surprises in its big match main events. Unfortunately, there was one big surprise that involved a different Viano, but we won't we won't bring that one up. Uh, yeah, I am <laughs> yes, I'm one of the, I'm one of the many people that still is not happy about that. But well. um, I will say the one of the best things about that anniversary match is the very clever uh, finish to how uh, Viano 3 and Atlantis win their part of the match before you get to the singles match. I think it's one of the like more clever finishes, especially, you know, especially when you consider it was 20 years ago-ish. You know, that it's a very sort of... Uh, uh, not, it's a modern. It's a modern yeah. way of doing it. And, it, you know, it also, of course, leads to one of my favorite things in wrestling is whenever a heel does something clever which results to the point to the brain because after Viano does what he does, I won't spoil it. I will, I will say yeah. that uh, in case I forget that this match and the, the mask match, both of which are on YouTube and easily, easily watchable. So if people haven't seen them, I would encourage them to watch them when they're done. Cause I won't spoil that, but uh there's plenty of stuff that we're going to talk about in the in the mask match that you sort of can't ignore, but that's a very clever thing. And how it wasn't that how much later is the anniversary show from when Mr. Niebla beat the other Mr. Niebla, uh, later known as Mr. Mexico, and as Freddie. I Freddy believe Mercury. that was a, that was five years different. Five years later. Wow. I, Maybe six, but I think it was five. But uh, I mean, I could. I could look, yeah. I could look it up, but generally off my memory, that's about that. It's for the names. Okay. The names, I think it was about five years. But yeah, that was that was also, you know, a really fun feud that Mr. Niebla had with with Mr. Mexico. It was so, creatively done. You didn't expect you didn't expect them to go to another promotion like IWRG and even acknowledge the promotion, much less the wrestler that was stealing your wrestler's gimmick. So just the fact that they, he showed up and that they started the program was like to me like just at the mind because CMLL has this reputation well deserved of being stuck in the mud and doing and not ever doing anything you know beyond the most you know create nothing creatively beyond what worked 20 years ago. So it was just it was a, it's just it's a shock to see the thing just evolve at all. And also. Um... Um, they uh, Atlantis and Viana three also were trading. Was it the light heavyweight title? It, it was. It was. They done everything they could to try. What my memory of this, and of course I, my memory is not not what it was for for medical reasons. So I apologize if I'm not remembering totally completely. But my memory was that 
for the longest time, up until about the anniversary show, they had a hard time convincing fans that this feud was the sort of feud that was going to lead to a mask versus mask match. They were two, you know, strong, well-liked legends that neither fan, fans wanted to boo. No, nobody wanted to boo. Pilano three had the, had the Rudo um, corner was booked out of the Rudo corner for this feud, but he's arguably been well known within the the business and those who are very hardcore fans of the business is the most likable, accessible person, the most friendly person of all the wrestlers. Always willing to sign autographs, always willing to talk, always never minding being interrupted at dinner, that sort of thing. That he was secretly like the insiders, excuse me, of all the wrestlers that were there. And for the longest time during, I, I don't know, from the time it started to to about, about September, the September of, of that feud, it was like they're not really going to actually promote this. That this is this just doesn't seem like Atlantis and Villano three have had the the centuries old feud. Like like some other people had had before they had their you know their their Aquestas match, but they made it work. And before we forget, the Mister Niebla versus Mister Niebla match was in August of 1999, so it was about a month before the anniversary. Oh, of the show. okay. My my bad then. My bad. I'm gonna break. Um. So yeah. So then you get to the anniversary show, and um, if you watch it on YouTube now. Uh, certainly the first thing you notice is what an insane atmosphere it is. It's like we rarely see Arena Mexico packed like that now, and certainly as loud as it was then. And you could, you could tell the people were were going crazy. I mean, it was, you know, it was an okay card up until then, but certainly everyone was there for that. And it's weird also now to watch it. You know, since there was no video screen and, you know, it like it looks like it's rear Mexico, but it looks slightly different when you watch it now. Yeah, no ramp, no ramp, no, no modern lighting techniques like they have now. And what strikes me about the match, and I don't know how much of a spoiler this is, but let's compare it to the Atlantis versus Ultimo Guerrero mask match of just a couple of years ago or three years ago. That that was a very clean, a very sterile match. There was no mask ripping. There was no blood. There was very little, comparatively speaking, outside the ring. The fans who were there were very quiet during a lot of the match. They were well-dressed and well-behaved. You would look at two and say, well, one of them, you would almost say the fans didn't care as much, although that isn't true. That's just that they were there. Um, if you know the Ultimo Guerrero unmasking, they they cared. They were there, they were there. It's just it was they were drawing a different older fan base <laughs> by 2014. Whereas for the 2000 match, I mean it is passion. It is just pure passion, a passion play, and people were taking the near falls like life and death. Like like every move was like just and and, and every setup for um, a big move was something the fans had been schooled on and recognized, and they were so totally into it. It was, it was a sort of scenario that I'm not sure there is a match left in in Mexico. <coughs> Excuse me, I don't I have no idea what's got in my throat. Um, I, I'm not sure there's a match left in Mexico that without using the effects of blood and without... <coughs> Excuse me. 
without a more modern um, way. <coughs> Excuse me, of parsh and of Maparka using like foreign objects and stuff like that. That you're ever going to get the heat back to that level. At least that's my opinion. I'm while while I drink a bunch of water, I'll let you go on with your opinion. Yeah, it's it's uh, for people who have never seen it before. You should know ahead of time. It is. It is an exceedingly bloody match. Um, sort of in the first, maybe, I don't know, the first quarter of the match, there's um, Viano throws Atlantis to the floor, and he does a tope, and they crack heads, at which point both of them, whether it's hard way or not, like are juicing like crazy to the point where you know, they actually bring the doctor out to check on both of them to make sure they're able to continue. And certainly by the end of the match, Atlantis' mask is almost as red as the one he wore when he was in the Guerreros. It is just a total sort of old-school lucha bloodbath, which, yeah, is something you would not see in a 100 years nowadays. It's totally foreign to the way CMLL books now. They don't allow blood. I haven't even seen Hardway blood that often in the promotion. You know, the occasional bloody nose and stuff. They don't allow foreign objects. They only recently have gone to the allowing of use of pre-approved spots like dives that will that will, pro, that will propel somebody into the first or second row. But they don't really allow brawling in the stands very much. Ultimo Guerrero gets the most leeway of anybody these days, and, and he's very, very, very careful about what he does. Well, I In think the that's... They seem to have a very, very um, tight reign on the sort of, of out-of-ring extracurricular activity they do. Well, I think that's one reason why people so reacted to the Rush versus Ellie Park match in Elite last year, because that's the kind of match they don't get to see in Arena Mexico anymore. I mean, it's why, you know, a lot of people argue that was pro- that may have been, like, the Lucha match of the year, just because you don't see it anymore, at least in the, you know, in CMLL. That's right, which is still, you know, it's still the only place in, in Mexico where they're trying to run, a, you know, a U.S.-style size arena on a regular basis. It's the only promotion that tries to run an, an arena of more than 15,000 seats on a regular basis, WWE does, but no other promotion in the world tries that. Their business is actually up, but that's that's another story for another time, I think, like that. For this mask match that they had in year 2000, I, I would be willing to bet that they must have turned turned away thousands of people. It was, it was a ticket to um, history, and a lot of people, Lucha fans and people that are just casual fans, do like to go see, even if they think it's like a Santa, you know, Santo match where they obviously know who's going to win. They still like to go for the history of things. And that arena was full and everybody was full throated. It sure looked like it or sure sounded like it. The other interesting thing about that match is that it was only one fall match. So you, I mean, you did not go through the formality of, you know, like the quick two falls, you know, they just, it was a one fall match, which meant, all of the near near falls meant something. And I don't know if it's just if it was sort of the importance of the match, but it seemed like watching it again, they were pulling out what I would consider sort of 
I mean, I don't know how regularly either of them used the spots, but that match had a lot of sort of his famous finishers in it, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Somebody uses the the Cavernaria at one point. You know, Viano three puts Atlantis in the in the Campbell Clutch, the gory special, or you know, uh-huh. whatever you want yeah, to call it. Yeah. So there was a lot of sort of using famous moves. I don't know, you know, if that would have been part of their repertoire then, but certainly watching it now, you're like, oh, these are all these fairly historic moves. And of course, you know, Atlantis wins with with his. And you're you're it's almost you're almost wondering, it's like, is this long enough ago that this wasn't his finisher? But you know, you get you know, finally you get to the, you know, backbreaker, backbreaker and then the the torture rack. Not 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 that that he doesn't still use that as his finisher today, and and of course people buy it and stuff like that. But I am tempted to go on more about the finish, but that would tend to spoil. I think what's I'm not going to say too much more about Viano's efforts to escape and hanging on and stuff like that for for not to create spoilers for those that haven't actually seen that particular match or that particular finish. The finish, however, unlike the match, the finish has been replayed as like, uh, you know, the last 15 seconds of the match. It's been replayed as a dos leyendas, um, you know, as part of clips of promo clips for dos leyendas in the past. So, I mean, if you've been watching CML for a while, you have probably seen the finish, even if you haven't seen the match. Yeah. So people should, I would say, and I guess we should say, the other sort of historical footnote that that match has, it's the only Lucha match that's ever won match of the year in the Observer. Sad to say, but yes, that's true. It was, and it was a surprise at the time because it, it, Dave had not, you know, Dave had not seen the match immediately after it happened. It, his review was several weeks later after it happened. And it was like he had to interrupt his normal stream of thoughts of whatever he was covering for the week to say, I just saw this match, guys, and I, I've got to write about it, even though it ha- everybody knows the result from like a month ago or whatever it was <clears throat> when he wrote his result. And he wrote it in such a way like it was like, you know, in in a normal world, this would be something that would be eligible or, 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 or a main contender for match of the year. I mean, this is something that's totally unique. No other promotion is going to remotely run anything like it, whether you, whether you like it or not, or whether you consider it the best technical match or whatever. And it's still true. The mask match in Arena Mexico is, to, to me at least, this is an opinion, this is not a fact, an opinion of mine, is still the ultimate match in pro wrestling. There well, is the, the main event, the main event mask match is has a stipulation beyond titles, beyond careers, beyond everything that it is the, the thing that if I were no longer a fan and were like only going to watch, let's say, baseball for the rest of my life and just totally give myself to that. And it's what I was doing if I heard there was an arena Mexico mask match on TV and I would rearrange my schedule for it. Well, you sort of, I mean, that sort of happened a couple of years ago when you had the Atlantis Ultimo Guerrero match that, you know, it didn't win match of the year, 
but I know lots of people, I think including Dave said, like, it was the best spectacle of the year. Because, like you said, it's, you know, a mask match in Arena Mexico is, you know, the, like the equivalent of, you know, some sort of, you know, heart. Life you know, or death. Well, I was going to say it's like sort of like the Japanese equivalent of like the like 45 minute to an hour. I mean, I don't, you know, like Masawa Kabashi, you know, Hanson, like, you know, a brutal, this brutal all Japan slugfest from the 90s, you know, that uh-huh. it's sort of like when you picture, you know, sort of the pinnacle of, of, I guess, you know, in America, it would be, you know, some sort of big flashy WrestleMania, you know, bells and whistles main event. In Japan, it would be some sort of 45 minute to an hour, you know, I guess all Japan, it would be like sort of hard hitting head dropping and in new Japan, it would be, yeah, you're saying it's, it's the, it's the match that personifies the promotion. Yeah. Or the ultimate match of, of, of what the promotions promotion is. Yeah. It would probably be the, yeah, the pinnacle of the style, I guess you could say. And so it, it is, and what what I like about it is, is there's a definitive stake for the loser. He just doesn't lose his title and get a, he'll get a rematch down the road. There's such a definitive, definitive end to to losing a mask that that's always that's one of the things that always attracted me away from not away from but to put so much more focus on my fandom of lucha starting in in '89 than than elsewhere when I finally got into it and realized they had a match beyond matches that I had seen. You know, I was at ringside for Steamboat versus Flair in Chicago. And that was kind of like the ultimate match for a Southern wrestling fan to ever actually sit through. But a mask match to me is even beyond that. Unless of course you're Poder Mexico and then you get repackaged with a new gimmick and then you possibly may lose your mask again on this. (laughs) Yeah. I don't like that. I don't like it. It's legal. It's, the rules I always heard, Mark, was that if you go five years, you can take another mask. Five, and he did. He stayed away from the arena. He didn't wrestle in the arena. He didn't wrestle at all. Stayed away for five years, put on a new mask, et cetera, et cetera. But as a fan, I would I just don't have that much interest in the match. I mean, I have some interest this year because there's always interest in a, an Arena Mexico mask match. But – this would be about the least I could think of in a long time because I don't care about one of the two losing and the other losing would be such a surprise. The other thing is it's not just that this is a horrible main event because it is a horrible main event. It's that this is not really even that interesting a card. It's, I mean, it will be one thing, you know, if this was say like 1997 WCW where you've got, you know, Hogan and the Warrior, Hogan and Piper on top, and then underneath you're, you've got it stacked. I mean, there's a bunch of interesting matches. I mean, you know, Sky Team versus... Yeah, there's a bunch of interesting wrestlers, but I'm not so sure I care. You know, to have a good match, I, I have to have some kind of, or one, one would think, this is another opinion, you've got to have some kind of interest in who's going to win, You a rooting interest. And these are just people thrown in there. The other singles match on the card I have no interest in whatsoever in, in other, other than seeing a match but I mean I, I, I couldn't care less about Ultimo Guerrero and Taven in a title match well the, 
the thing that I the first thing that I noticed when I saw the lineup, and again, this is where my particular taste run is. How can you have an Arena Mexico main event show, and there be no members of the Costas family on this card? Family, um, you're exact, no Negro Costas at least, and I don't know. I mean, it's one thing, you know, it's like okay, there's no room for Puma and Tiger, unfortunately, or or for Lino, just you know because you've got you know a hundred people under card, and even for big shows, see you know the hat rotates who who gets booked. It seems like. But it's yeah, like yeah. Dallas isn't it, in the it, way. It does. They get they get significant pay pay differential, even lower down on the card for this card than others. You know, the difference between a hundred bucks and fifty bucks is still twice as much. But you know, and you know, for Dallas not to be in the women's match, which is kind of weird because she's still the champion. champion um, yeah. And and for Negro Costas not to be on there, like it makes you. I think nowadays, I think. I think those of us in the American Lucha community seem to worry whenever Costas doesn't get booked for more than like two weeks in a row because we worry if there's something wrong with him. You know, and for him to well, miss... Norm- normally we would. I mean, I've been following social media and he's fine. He just, there isn't anything wrong with him, so I'm okay with that. But yes, it, it, stylistically and aesthetically and just in, in, in karma with the universe, Negro Costas should be on every big show card they ever have just like atlantis and just like rush i mean you know no offense but it's like why isn't casas teaming with rush and la mascara in that in the match with you know atlantis and marco and whoever yeah instead of cranio i mean like i suppose the answer could be cranio is there to do the third fall you know job that that is possible that's true there's that i but you know, or if they're, continue, you know, or if they're, you know, we've, I think we've seen off and on there may, you know, people have said there may be a feud with Marco and Cranio at some point, And I know some people have thought that, you know, Cranio has been, has more fancy gear lately. So maybe he's, you know, that's leading to him losing his mask or something, you know, which is always possible. But yeah, when, when, there's a card and a lot of the people that you like aren't booked. It's going to adversely affect your interest. And, you know, there, yeah, there's a couple okay matches, but I think it's given, I think it's true that whenever there's a big CML show, I think, you know, you could easily make a better card using the people who aren't booked on that show. Almost, almost. Generally, in, generally I agree. That's almost always true. I mean, you know, you'd probably you're probably losing, you know, Atlantis, Volador, Ultima Guerrero, Negro Casas, and Rush probably, but not necessarily. So yeah, you have no Casas and you have no Caveman on this show. Those are two arguably your most entertaining Rudos in the whole promotion. Right, and like I said, no Puma, no Tiger, no. Hechicero. So, you know, and in that, and the fact that it's going to be VOD, it's like, I don't know if this card is even worth $3 to watch. You know, I'll leave it for, you know, Cubs fan to bite the bullet, you know, to yeah. read his, to read his review or, you know, or Fredo or Rob or whoever else writes their reviews that I may, you know, maybe, 
that Sky Team versus Inferno's match is so great it's worth the three dollars. I can't. I don't think it will probably. I don't think that's possible, but it could happen. Well, well, the second match should be entertaining. The first, the first match all depends on is 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 Zuxis in fact headed off to, to WWE with their their next quarter quarterly uh, uh, ta- talent haul or not. But if she is, I presume they're going to take her mask before she goes. But we'll see. Um, speaking of people leaving, I guess we'll just sort of do a generic sort of lucha talk here. Um, you've still got people leaving. AAA. You've now got people showing up in the crash. You've now got Luchador showing up in TNA of all places, where your friend Carlos has brought the Latin American Exchange back, apparently. Yes. Which I yes. don't know if anybody was was expecting. And Alberto's there. It's it's Everything all very strange. Again. It's all very Jerry, Jeff Jarrett. Jeff, Jeff is bringing in some people he trusts and has worked with and likes and respects to, to help him along. Um, I, I'm very, I, I have to wait for TV, though, of course, to see what, what they did with Alberto. Having him, Can I spoil this, too? Yeah, I don't care. Okay, having him win the TNA title from Lashley on Thursday night and then giving it just voluntarily walking away from it on Friday night and, and – being or not being the number one contender afterwards sounds like they're having some a little money problems backstage or whatever, but I guess that will come out in the next week or so. I have to admit, if I was them, I don't know if I would want to put my title on Alberto, given that, uh, as I said, I think during one of his recent legal scraps, that he is in what Bill Simmons calls the Tyson zone, where I think there is no story so weird that could involve Alberto that would surprise me at this point. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yes. I, I like that. <laughs> you know, sh- you know, getting in a fight in Austria with his brother, brother getting, in, a j- in a jail, in, in a, in a police station. Yeah. Um, getting stabbed, maybe beating up a worker backstage because apparently the guy like held the door for page or said he looked, she looked nice or something. You know, it's no, no story with Alberto should be surprising, but you know, you've got that. Then you've got, you know, all the, all these guys showing up in, can you call it Conan's promotion? Can you call the crash Conan's promotion? I, I, I wouldn't, I don't think they're nearly as for, for, and I don't have the the the, the 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 full lowdown on this, but I don't think Conan's much more really much more than you know just head of creative or an employee there. I don't think he's really in charge of um, you know the booking and the the or, or the deciding of of which wrestlers to bring in. I should say that sort of thing. The crash is, as I have said on Brian's show for a while, has got a problem. They're bringing in talent far beyond the number of dates and the number of seats that they have shows for. They're already selling out. The only thing, and they and they're only running one to two shows a month. There's this talent is well beyond, you know, what they're going to have to do, I, I guess, is to, to set up is to be kind of like the PWG or the AAW or even ROH of Mexico and just run a series of dream matches and, and in the force, you know, a, a card where every match is a four star 
match. They're all very similar matches, but they're all four-star matches um, in different cities around the country and go after a thin fan base of males from 18 to 30 with, you know, sufficient disposable income. Well, it's That's funny. going to be interesting to do in Mexico because your revenue just isn't what it is for the U.S. And no wrestler would work there unless they can get, if they can get a, a, a better date in, in the U.S., Japan, England, Germany, or Canada. Well, it's funny because it seems like, you know, we already kind of have established super indies in Mexico already. You know, it seems like that's what Lucha memes and you know, Cara Lucha and these kind of things are that uh-huh. these are guys already sort of doing dream matches. And I guess it just depends on which talent can or cannot work in which promotion, you know, you know, Lucha memes has, you know, a working agreement with CMLL. So they're going to get those guys, but they're probably not going to be allowed to use triple a guys or even the, the rebellion guys, depending on how CMLL feels about them, you know, you're not going to be probably be able to book rebellion guys and triple a guys on the same show because we've already seen triple a as, you know, trying to throw their legal muscle around in places where they have a right or don't have a right. It doesn't seem to be stopping them from, Uh, from trying to do whatever they can. Yeah, that's 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 what they're doing. They're just trying. They're just throwing out their letters because it's easy for them to throw out the letters. And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, doesn't they won't. I don't think they'll fight any further. But they'll 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 scare anybody that's willing to be scared. But you know, if you're now a luchador who works, who's now been getting a comfortable amount of bookings in the U.S. for you know all these all these indies, it's. Uh, yeah, I, we've talked about this on the podcast before with a couple different people, and it's like if you're a luchador, especially you know the couple that have moved to the United States, it's like you know why go through the hassle? You know, even if it's just Tijuana, you know, if you're being booked in Chicago or in New York or Cleveland, you know, you're getting you know American money and your name's getting out there, which probably means you're going to be on the WWF radar soon. Very soon, very soon. I I'm sure that Pent- Pentagon Junior, Penta, whatever you want to call him, is is somewhere on Triple H and Canyon Seaman and et cetera's list for a future call, a future phone call. So you know why, you know, I said before it's like why would you work? That's why I didn't understand. I was. Wondering why that some of those guys were staying in AAA, you know, because it just seemed like there were so many better alternatives out there. And if the only answer was because, we're still, because we're still under contract to Lucha Underground. Yeah. But so I guess, you know, we'll see that when they ever start taping season four, you know, are they still going to use Pentagon and whoever else is left? Or... You know, now that, you know, if Dorian, you know, Dorian is, you know, supposedly like head of talent or whatever for Lucha Underground, or will, you know, the people above him say, no, these guys, these are stars we made. So, you know, swallow your pride and use them. And I guess we won't know that until they start taping again. Yeah, we won't. We won't. It's, It's very much, I believe it's very much up in the air. My hunch, my guess is, 
they feel that almost, except for Penta, that almost anybody else they bring in from Mexico could probably be replaced with an American or an American luchador, somebody who's who's in, in the U.S. or in the U.S. Um, as a, a permanent resident. But Pentagon has or Penta has his own is at a level above everyone else, and beyond that, I could see you know Angelico, Jack Evans, those guys staying. But otherwise, I could see them going with just mostly a, a, just an American roster of, of, of American-based luchadors. And I guess also if they depend, if they continue, if they still want to book Sexy Star, again, somebody who left AAA and now, you know, at least in Mexico is working, is not even wrestling and is working unmasked as a boxer. I guess we'll see if that actually ever happens. But yes, I'm expecting a CM, CM Punk dash UFC sort of debut for her, but we will see. You know, I mean, they've certainly built, you know, lots of storylines around her when, you know, there are certainly better luchadoras they could have used. So, you know, now that she's, you know, on the outs of AAA, will they just go and get someone else? And, you know, like you you know, what's to say if, you know, you know, if Xerxes wants, you know, doesn't go to WWF, you know, there's somebody, you know, mm-hmm. that would be, that would fit in great in Lucha Underground, you know, if somehow they wanted well, her it, or it, not. It, yeah, it, it would all depending on how, how much they want to go to the sci-fi and the non-wrestling part of the show where they want to go with those things. There's, there's enough, there's enough women wrestlers out there. They can make it work. I, I don't know that they are very enthralled with sexy star, but I think that that ship has sailed and I would be surprised to see her back there again. True. Um, so I guess I, 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 you know, Season, season four, it's still, it is still seven months late till they're supposed to begin the preparations are set up for season four. As interest ten, is tending to peter out generally, it'll pop back up again once season, the second half of season three starts. But as interest in general peters out, I frankly expect that they will probably decide to um, create programming that it it doesn't tread on the first three seasons, but kind of takes a diagonal or a, a tangential and tries to regenerate interest in it. And they can't use the, the uh, women equal to men and the, the intergender stuff. That was their calling card for the first three seasons. So I, I would expect them to try something new. I don't know if it's a science, you know, they've tried science fiction new with, with dead characters coming back to life and people living 997 years. I and, and there's there appears to be no, I mean if they haven't done it yet, the odds of them doing a wrestling promotion and wrestling merchandise beyond what they've done so far just doesn't look like it's in the cards or it's in the books or whatever. It so does... it, it may just go off in a new direction, and they and we and all the speculation may be moot, not because we're right, wrong, or anything else, but just because they feel to to generate new viewers for the show, they've got to go go off in a tangent somewhere. Well, it does seem like it's an easy enough concept to reboot that just, you know, you could change the name for all probably if you wanted and just 
you know, it'd be season four, it's now, yeah, instead of being sort of lucha science fiction horror, it's, you know, lucha... It's, it's Fight of, Club. Lucha's Fight Club, or sort of maybe like urban, like urban drama, or, I mean, there's enough sort of, or, like, subcultures you know, that you, you can borrow from. And you still have to you remember... Know, go, go all out on the Trump. The Trump is the evil heel concept. Well, I was going to say, I mean, you still have to remember, like, this is like a Robert Rodriguez television network. And so, yeah. you know, that if Lucha Underground was from dusk to dawn, you know, you could easily sort of segue it to being, you know, more El Mariachi. Or... You know, heck, you could even change it completely and no, suddenly just make don't it... say Spy Kids, please. Just don't bring in Spy Kids. Straight up. Well, not, not. Well, I was going to say not Spy Kids, but do, do spy stuff. Do sort of you yeah, know. Yeah, you could. Do, could. Of course, you could. I mean, because if you if you th- you know, it's the the foundation of sort of like the Santo movies are some of them are monsters and then some of them are spies. So you could just stop doing monsters and start doing spies. I think you could, you know, as long as it's edgy and bicultural, sure. You know, and again, if you know they wanted to dip their toe into wherever the politics are by the time they start taping again, you know, who knows? I mean, I don't think they would go full on. You know, it having doesn't sound like it, but boy, to me, would that start getting that would start. Is there anything they could do that would start getting viewers like that would, where Dario turns out suddenly to be a Trump agent, trying to deport wrestlers, and like like you have people in the audience arrested and have you know stage an actual ICE undercover. <laughs> I mean, you could go a million different directions with it. Well, anyway, what I what that's, I would... that's not happening. I'm just I'm just I'm just I'm just brainstorming that, that well, is not in any way a, 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 even a one percent chance of reality well what i was going to say is if you sort of use the genre tropes is you know what do they do in comics when sort of your your main heel is has been exhausted well you do the thing where you bring in a super heel so that the heel has to team with the baby face you know it's like you know uh, Superman and Luthor fight, but then Darkseid shows up and wants to destroy the world, and Luthor's like, you know, I want to run the world, I don't want it destroyed, so I have to team with Superman to fight Darkseid. So, you bring in some sort of evil, you know, right-wing guy who sort of, like, buys, buys Lucha Underground or whatever, so then... Dario ends up becoming a face because it's like, you know, I'm a bad guy and all, but I'm still, you know, I'm proud to be Hispanic or whatever, and I'm not going to let this guy take over what I've blah, 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 and then suddenly he's a baby face. You know, it's like the Midnight Express, you know, it's, you know, the Midnight Express. Yeah, you think it's a lot more reasonable than I do. Well, again, when you have, you know, 40 years of, of steeped in, like genre knowledge, you know the tropes, and you know how easy, how you know it's. I mean, certainly, you know, you've had it in wrestling. It's like how many times that you know, it's like when when they turn the Midnight Express babyface, it's because you know 
the other Express showed up and they were bigger jerks. You know, it's like, you know, Cornette's a jerk, but he's our jerk. And who's this jerk Paul Heyman coming in and busting him open on live TV, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And then, you know, six months later, that dies out and you turn heel again and everything's, you know, and it's fresh again. It's just. Which is sadly not, to wrap up the original topic, sadly not what we expect from the CMLL card, their second biggest card of the year and their second biggest money-making extravaganza of the year. We expect a, a, a background noise pattern to be able to put us to sleep while the, the VOD is playing. Well, so I'll, I'll get you on the record here. I like, how big or small do you think the crowd will be for the show? Do you think they'll even get to 10,000? I think they will. I think they'll get between 10 and 12,000 just because the city of Mexico city is 20 million and they've got enough of a, a good track record with giving their audience an entertaining show at their big events that the show will draw a few, a few thousand on its own for its sake. The only thing is, is they really have jacked up the prices. They're not anniversary show prices, but they're right below that, and that that might be the the convincing factor for that extra three or four thousand people not to show up. But I'm guessing they're going. I'll guess eleven thousand. That will be my final guess. I I guess that 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 none of the matches will be over three and a half stars. There'll be some some entertainment under the lower level, and unless in in and I don't know that this is the case, but unless they're going someplace with Ru- Russian Atlantis, that there'll be no big news to come out of the show. I wonder if the ticket price increase will dissuade what seems to be their growing number of Friday night tourists. Because I wonder if, you know, they wouldn't know the difference. And if it's in, you know, if, you know, if, if it's in X pesos instead of Y pesos, that's still going to be, you know, yeah, you're right. Well, they don't know. They don't know that this this particular Friday night is that they may think that's the price for every Friday night, and they compare it to U.S. prices, and they say, yeah, it's seventy bucks or it's ninety bucks or whatever. I said, but that, oh no, that's what they cost. That's a lot of money. But I'll go. You know, especially if you consider that you know if you're you know what you pay now to go to a sporting event. You know, that's probably you know you're usually expecting you know the. 50 60 bucks you know for de- you know decent seats and i think the tour, you know the arena mexico tourists usually get good but not great seats so yeah so they would probably think oh this is no different than if i go to an nfl game or i go to an nba game this is about what i'm going to pay for you know my two and a half hours of entertainment get drunk on beer cheer good guys boo bad guys that kind of thing yeah I can I can see it not being as big a factor to the tourist as it would be to the guy with his who's going to have to shell out the money for himself, his wife, two of his kids, and one of his cousins. He's going to go. Nah, I don't. I'm not that interested to see who Pierre Roth Jr. really is. The new Pierre Roth really is. But speaking of sporting events, um, we were planning on. Discussing your uh, was it your first trip this year for spring training recently? The first, first of two. There'll be one 
that is combined with a business trip and also a birthday for one of the coworkers in two weeks. But I, whenever possible, I try and make is one of my trips each year. And I've done, I, you know, at least 10 out of the last 12 years, maybe 15 out of the last 18 years to go to the opening day or opening weekend of spring training. It's symbolic of, of, Winter being the, the winter really being over, it's it's my Groundhog Day, and symbolic of the sport that was of which I was the biggest fan, even bigger than wrestling or any or tennis or anything else when I was a kid. So it's it, it covers a lot of emotional bases to go to to the opening of spring training, even though the games are meaningless by the third or fourth inning, especially the first week. It's all UP, future UPS drivers that are in there, but it's still a lot of fun. So now that uh, now that it's pretty much fifty fifty between Arizona and Florida, um, who did who who did you go see so far? I have seen three games so far. I went to see Cleveland versus Cincinnati at the Goodyear Stadium. Goodyear is because that's where I'm staying. Each year I go first because that's the closest one to our office. It's where it's the hotel where I'm staying. It's the closest physical place to go, and usually. Those two have a game with each other on the very first day of spring training. This year it was the second day, but usually it's the first day. I went to see the Padres and the Mariners in Peoria, and I went to see the Dodgers and the White Sox in Surprise. I was going to see – I went out to Cubs Stadium twice to see the Cubs. Actually, the first day I went was their fan appreciation day to try and get into the souvenir shop but there was a 90-minute wait to get in the souvenir shop, and at my current weight and medical condition, standing for 90 straight minutes in a line is not I, – I can do it. I can do it, but I pay the price the next couple of days. Then I went back the uh, Monday this past – was it this past Monday? No, it, it, a couple of weeks ago for, for um, a Cubs game, and it was raining at the time that I arrived. I arrived about two hours before game time. And I placed my bet that the game was going to be called off. It had been raining for most of the 18 hours prior. As it turns out, by the time I got back to Goodyear, the rain had stopped and stopped permanently, and they ended up playing the game. So I screwed myself out of the, the, the game. But I had bet that it was going to be called off for rain, so I just left. I will get to see the Cubs when I go back, and I haven't decided I'm going to see three games what the other two games will be yet. Like you said, uh, you really don't get to see much in spring training other than sort of the the experience of going to spring training. But as we were uh, talking about before we started, um, especially now that you're in Vegas and you've seen the futures, it seems like a very a very top heavy season with the teams that were good last year are probably still going to be the teams that are good this year more than any other. Yes, that's the, that's the booking line, and it's the line that I, the people I was talking to it, in 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 Arizona felt. It's the way I feel in the National League. I feel that, and and all all of this analysis, as is always true with baseball, depends on injuries, depends on you know on on, on injuries to, to star players and where in the season those injuries occur. But as as throwing the entry assumptions aside, the Cubs and the Dodgers in the National League are a whole level above everyone else right now. And that there's, I would be hard-pressed to place money on any other team 
reaching the National League Championship Series besides those two teams. They they look they look they have you know the, I think is right now along with um, um, the Indians they have the highest win total bet um, number in you know twenty games above five hundred or more in uh, in the Vegas future odds and in the, in the American League I could see Cleveland and Toronto being back in the Nash, in the American League Championship Series again next year it looks. Not as top heavy, but similarly top heavy in uh, in in that in that league. In fact, in the National League, going back, Mark, I could even see the same five teams actually making the playoffs that made the playoffs this year. That never happens, and it probably won't happen this year. But to me, it looks like the five teams that made the playoffs last year are the favorites and, and look to be the better teams this year. It's been an off-season of a lot of changes, though. I mean, the Padres have a billion pitchers, and the, the Braves have a billion pitchers and just a billion a billion old cast-offs on their teams and, and, are, and, and, and the Marlins and the Phillies are just – they just don't impress me enough to – maybe the Mets but to, to catch the Nationals. I don't see as much drama in the National League this year as I do in, in previous years. Yeah, my, like I said, as we have said before, my hope every year is that San Diego does not finish last and or does not have 100 losses. It's like, if you can get the, if you can promise me those two things, I'll be reasonably happy. And then depending on how much better they can go from there, I'll take it. But, you know, when you're the, when you're a f- the fan of a perennial doormat, at least in baseball, Although now, like, the one team that I root for that used to be uh, guaranteed success now has, like, the worst record in the NHL, so I don't even have that anymore, or at least the worst in the Eastern Conference. <laughs> yeah. I don't even have that going for me anymore. I, It's funny, listening to Toronto Radio, which I usually do, um, most people are very disgruntled with the way that team was was put together in the off season and there's I think everyone is fearful that the relative uh health they've had with all of their starting pitchers, which has been their strong suit, that they're sort of due to pay the piper at some point. And you know, if they lose, you know, Sanchez or Stroman for an ex- you know, for an extended period of time, you know, you've got your your middle of the rotation guys who certainly exceeded expectations last year if you look at Estrada and you look at Hap and you know if yeah. they if they suddenly become you know the frontline guys you know they lost a lot of offense and there's going to you know they're they're now built sort of the way Cleveland was built with lots of uh platoon platooning to get a more balanced handedness at the plate but you know it's like do you want Justin Smoke as your starting first baseman you know, or you know, some of the guys they're going to have in the outfield. It's, if they're pitching, if their pitching dies down, I wouldn't. You know, if you know, depending on how long David Price is out, you know, I don't. I would be worried if I was Toronto. I think the thing I'd be worried about most is how how close are these young Yankees to to being good? You know, like you know you can re- they can be reasonably safe in second depending on Baltimore but you know then you have to start worrying about what's New York going to do 
<laughs> well, that's always a concern. The Yankees or the Red Sox are are a team I never discount. One of the, I, I, I'm trying to put put it into that every year at least one of the two will be competitive. It's it's so rare that you you have the opposite. So I am very very uh, much more along the, along the lines you are much more interested to see the potential of the Yankees this year than the Red Sox. I think the Red Sox are on more of a long-term decline now. The Yankees, eh, it, it could be. It could be. It could be. As, Somebody's got to come in second in that division, and it's going to, you know, you've got, it, it, it's one why I, I think the, AF, the the American League is just a little more wide open than the National League. And there's there's te- teams that, there's a chance for a surprise team in each of the three divisions. It will certainly be interesting. Like you said, uh, uh, I renewed my at bat the other day, so I'm ready. I'm ready to actually start, you know, the transition to, to watching and or listening to more games. So I haven't seen anything from spring training yet. Uh, the most I've seen from string training is the 30-second video you sent me from the souvenir shop, depending on uh, trying to pick out which shirt I wanted. Uh-huh. You haven't seen the bat catching? No. I You, you the mentioned Met, that, the but guy I... guy in the dugout catching the bat? No. Well, I, I, okay, I won't spoil it for you. You'll have to, you'll have to see it. Yeah, I, yeah, you said something about that, and I was like, well, something weird must have happened, but I... The only thing that I know that's happened in spring training is the other day the sprinklers went off in the middle of a game. That's uh, that's like all I know that's happened in spring training. Well, and the, you missed you missed the Padres rotation. I, so I go to see the Padres against the Mariners in the bottom of the third at Peoria with the Mariners being the home team. The Padres walked, I think it was six straight guys. It's like, okay, it's spring training, and you're like, just throw the ball over the plate. Just you know, work work on your fastball or something like that. No, they walk like six. <laughs> it's like it was a six run seventh third inning, and it was like pitchers at the top of the the food chain for the Padres. There is a picture going around. I don't know if you have seen it from recent rains in San Diego, where Petco Park is flooded, and like not just flooded. I mean flooded, flooded from about oh I don't know ten days ago. That's a good metaphor for the for what I saw from the Padres. Yeah, I would. I don't think I've seen that. Their win total is in the bet is in the fifties. No, unfortunately, unfortunately, not. Half, I think. Not surprising. Um, the other thing that we were briefly talking about before that I figured we'd get to is the theoretically good idea that is the World Baseball Classic that uh, is much better on paper than in practice. Or did did you tell me that you had gotten tickets for one of the games? Somewhere I had one got, the... well, I had, and I had because I expected to be be able to go see one of the games at work in combination with a work trip. But now I'm not going to. I did see the the original World Baseball Classic final in I think it was 2009 that was held in San Diego. The way my office worked that I was working at back then, you could maybe in two thousand seven instead. Was it seven six? Two thousand six. Two thousand six. That I you could sit from my office and see into Beco Park. 
and you could see see the game going on. It was it was like it was a really odd thing to be sitting in office about you know half a mile away, but twenty floors up, and wa- watching the baseball game while listening to it on satellite radio. It's it, you know it, it's a it's a terrible time of year for the American Baseball League that they, they run the Baseball Classic in March. I don't know when else you're going to run it considering the the schedule of leagues winter leagues and et cetera that you have with other programs from Dominican Republic to Cuba to wherever. I mean, Cuba's already into its its season, I think. So I don't know exactly how you're going to ever make the concept work in reality. I think there's at one point they were thinking October and November and then just decided they, no American would ever show up in October, November. So it's, I'd love to see it in practice, but I don't know yet that it's workable. It's kind of like with baseball, you need to have a long to, to run something like this. You need to have a longer um, frame of time. It's like cutting out the, uh, the NHL to have the Olympics. When they have the Olympics, you need to like stop the league for two or three weeks. And in baseball, you just can't do that. I mean, they're already running from February to November. Um, last year with baseball and it may go into November this year. So it's like, you know, just how much longer can you take two or three weeks the season and, and take two or three weeks out of to have a baseball classic. But I'm interested to hear your thoughts on it. I know that I was talking to somebody at work about it and they're, they wanted it to be sort of in the, in the late fall and just play it, you know, either in like the South or, you know, basically like once every four years, it would sort of be during the time that they have winter ball. And so they're just, you know, the, you know, those countries would, would have to bite the bullet and that's when you would have it. The other, the other really weird theory that I heard, I read someone had was make it like, uh, either the Davis, the Davis cup or international soccer where, one like one weekend like every two months or six weeks is instead of playing the regular season you'd play WBC games but that would be such a logistical nightmare as it often is for soccer that like it would be completely unworkable but I you know and I think it's just I think it just doesn't work for baseball I think there's too many variable starting with injury and then the logistics of it that it just is just doesn't work it's like it's 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 the kind of thing that would be better to do on a computer or a playstation than to try and do in real life because you're going to have guys get hurt or you know when are they are like you're not yes or you're not going to send your best guys there because the owner of the team says i have 25 billion dollars invested in the guy this year and i'm not letting him go it's like we you know we've already seen yeah if you've got you know if you're the dodgers and it's like and clayton kershaw is you know an injury risk on his best day do you want him pitching even like an extra 20 30 innings you yeah, know, for Strasburg for the Nationals, do you for, want that? For for nothing, and I mean, and realistically, part of the problem is it's like even though this is owned by Major League Baseball, it's like the Americans haven't won yet. You know, it's like if the Americans had won like the first two, maybe people would feel different about it. But the fact that the Asian teams and the Caribbean teams care a lot more 
that it would almost be the kind of thing where this would be a really interesting tournament if they had it without major league players. You know, sort of. Yeah, no, yeah, I agree. I agree. Or you know, you 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 streamline it even more where you only play even less games. It's like you know, the Asian teams play each other, and one team comes out, and then like one North American team comes out. You know, it's like, and then you play like sort of a Super World Series kind of thing. Just to try and limit the things, and even then you're not going to have guys do it. Or, yeah, if you have it after the season, guys aren't going to want to do it because their season's over and they don't want to get hurt. You do it before the season, guys don't want to get hurt and they're rusty. You know, baseball's not going to want to do, you know, shut down for the Olympics and miss two weeks of, of money. It's like, you know, baseball is so flush with cash that they're already doing things that they could afford to do to lose a little money to make the game better, like cutting out. You know, with all this stuff about pace of play issues, it's like, well, you know, the easiest pace of play is to take one 30-second break less every inning, and that would, you know, shorten the game by half an hour, but they're not going to do that because, you know, who gives back money? You can't so- yeah, yeah, you can't sell those commercials or anything. No, but it said we're going to pitch clocks and no intentional walks and. Yeah, well, you're no, you're no, you're right. That's it. You don't have a mid inning break ever. Every, just eliminate the mid inning break. We'll solve all the problems, but they won't do it. Well, it's not even eliminating the break. It's take it, you know, make it a minute fifteen instead of two minutes. Because, I I don't know, I mean, you lived in sort of a major league city, but it's like, you know, when you go to a minor league game, it's amazing how much quicker it feels without, you know, TV padding. You know, you can get done in two hours, as opposed to three plus when you go to a major league game. Or four plus if it's the Red Sox and Yankees. Yeah, or, or, you know... We certainly have to put up with, you know, Buck Showalter's bullpen by committee in Baltimore. <laughs> you know, unless, of yeah. course, it's the best reliever in baseball and you don't want to use him. That's the, uh-oh, that, that one, now the snark is coming out. <laughs> I don't know. I, well, I mean, I don't, you know. How many how many World Series have the Orioles been to in the last 30 years? 30? Let's see, does... I was, going to, I was going to say, I was trying to think of how long ago AD3 was. So, yeah, so <laughs> that was the – well, hell, it's how many times have they even been in the playoffs? I mean, they had the yeah. one – you know, this recent spate, and then you, know, you have to go back to, like, the Jeffrey Meyer year. And then before that, it may have been, like, your classic, you know, Cal Ripken Orioles. But, yeah, it's – I did, I did not mind that too much because I do not necessarily like Showalter, so the Schadenfreude at his expense, you know, amused me. So that was that did not bother me. But sp- spring training is a lovely time. If you ever, if um, one of my goals in life used to be to go to a lot of major major league base, baseball parks that I haven't seen, and now I. It, in in parts by inspired by people like you and others that I know going to I'm now more interested in going to minor league parks I haven't been to 
seeing the kids of the future, which of course is something you do in spring training, but also see baseball at its most fun when everybody is there simply to have a good time. And the individual at bats are important, but the, the actual outcome of the games and the results and stuff are, are, are less important. And people are there just, just, it's almost like, you know, it's a pickup game. Well, it's sort of like it's maybe one or two of them will hit the pros, maybe, or maybe there's a pro there rehabbing, but otherwise it's just a fun, it's fun two hours to pass time at a game that who's, uh, you know, who's, future fortune it's not a very game with a with a lot of offense and, and people that didn't grow up as fans um, don't become fans at the rate that i would like but as long as it's still around i'm enjoying it you know it's like where i am most of the minor league teams are also lower in the pecking order it's like you know i used to have season tickets in wilmington they were they may have been double a then i think they were single a you know the 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 team in Aber the team that Ripken owns in Aberdeen they're short season so they're not even you know that's just yeah that's just a let's go out have you know a night out for twenty bucks or whatever sit in the sun you know it's it's sort of your stereotypical it's summer we're outside it's kind of nice we're watching baseball it's like two hours and then we're home. As opposed... And you don't feel ripped off by the prices, and you feel like between innings they're actually trying to entertain you instead of trying to sell you something. Yeah, I mean, and again, you know, I'm a... If you know what I mean. Yeah, you know, and that's certainly more enjoyable than having to plan going into Baltimore or Philadelphia, getting your $50 ticket to sit like in the mezzanine, not even close... You know, Wait, how much am I paying for parking before I even get to enjoy my game? How much and or what's your relative comfort level as to where you are parking? <laughs> um, That's another story, too. Yes, there's that. You know, And then your $5 soda and your $4 hot dog and your $10 beer and whatever else. And then your two hours every getting out inning, of the... Between the inning, they're trying to sell you on something. And they're twice as long because they're on TV, because every game is on TV. Yeah. So I, I was actually having a talk with somebody the other day that were young enough that they did not necessarily believe me when I told them when I was growing up how many games were or were not on television. You know, it's, I mean, not counting like the game of the week or whatever, but it's like, I think growing up, I think maybe like half of the Oriole games were on TV, you know, and, yeah. and they weren't, you know, and there was no, there was no cable yet. But and I would guess in, in your era that was probably high because unless you were a Cubs or a Braves fan, which was a different thing because they were quote unquote superstitions. I think you know if you were like an Astros fan or a Ranger, you probably didn't get to see many games at all. But I mean, if from what I remember, it's sort of what the way it used to be with a lot of sports where they televised the road games and they did not always televise the home games because they wanted you to come to the park. They didn't want you to sit at home and watch the game for free. So, you know, you would get away games televised and then maybe you would get the Sunday afternoon game televised and that might be it. So you may have like 
50, 60 games a year on TV, and that might be high. You know, I don't know how it was in sort of like major metro. You know, again, like if in New York, it's probably different because one, you can watch both oh, teams. Before, and... Yeah, I lived in Atlanta. Before Ted Turner, you didn't get to see anything. I don't know, recall the, seeing the Braves on TV almost ever, except for if they were on the Saturday game of the week. And, you know, they did that in other sports, too. I mean, you famously, you know, you lived through the era in Chicago where Bill Wirtz did not televise home games. You know, and again, you know, Chicago Stadium was sold out every game and they didn't need to worry about it. They, you know, Chicago and Detroit were places where they had over 100 percent attendance every year. But, I mean, I remember, you know, when we when we would come up from Bloomington to try and see games, you know, it's, you know, you had to work to try and get Blackhawks tickets because, you know, they were sold out all year and you couldn't watch them on TV. You know, as you know, and now, you know, it's now they're different and now they're like the model NHL franchise. But, yeah. you know, back then they were like good, but not great, but a constant moneymaker. Yeah, oh, buddy, times have changed. Things are not the way they used to run. People people who run things and the businesses they run aren't the same. Unless you're, unless you're Paco Alonso, and there's no need to ever change your business model, even though you should. But when, you know, when your guarantee income is pretty much the same every single week, every, you know, week after week, why change? Why book young guys when we can just book the same old guys? Cause, yeah, well, now you're getting now you're getting back into the Paco Alonso territory. You know, I know people are starting. You know, they're, we're now starting to see, you know, some younger members of the family, you know, making public appearances or being on Informer or whatever. And I know there's at least the hope of possible change in the future. But I guess it's sort of the same as. You know, what will Hunter and Stephanie actually do when they run the company? You don't know until it'll happen. It, it, I, I suspect the answer to that is, is what will wrestling look like, though? What will the fan base be? What I don't see is wrestling creating fans as kids, Mark. When I was younger, there would not be a wrestling show that I would tune in to watch on TV that didn't recognize the fact that there were kids watching it. I mean, in, either in one of the wrestlers or in the announcements or in the, the commentary, you know, they would often, because this was the South, recognize that there were a lot of shut-ins that could never get to arenas and stuff like that, and that et cetera, et cetera. But they, they seem to, to, to have a good idea of their fan base. But one of the things that's going to happen by making this a business where it's aimed solely for 18 to 30 year olds is that you've got to start indoctrinating people at 18 and they will leave at 30. And it, it by necessity is going to make it a different sort of business to market with different. It's why the matches are the way they are now. These are people that have grown up with, with their, their violent entertainment quotas in life being the sort of things you see in video games. So therefore you have you know, video game offense for offense and, and wrestling instead of the old storyline way of, of selling things. And if, if Vince is still here 10 years from now and then Triple H takes over, I just wonder what the business is for him to take over. Well, if I'm putting that. 
Well, this is in, in this a way is, you understand. This is one of the hundreds of reasons, hundreds of ways that the parallels between wrestling and comic books, where comic, you know, like DC and Marvel, you know, get their money from the twenty-five to fifty-four-year-old white guy who's been buying books since they were kids, and now they're five dollars a piece, and we're gonna make three different covers that you have to buy that are each $5 and we're going to have this big giant mini series that you have to buy. And we know you're people with disposable income. So we're going to try and get as much money out of the loyal fan base as we can. Just like, just like the way Vince does. And, you know, yes, they're sort of a token amount, you know, a token hand waving for kids, so you know we make a handful of things that are all ages accessible, or you know we make toys or whatever, you know, which are, of course are all just designed as you know entry level uh, ways to you know entice people in. Not necessarily, you know, while there may be quality, yeah, no. quality is not quality is not the number one reason they're done. You know, they're done to. As a business decision, not as an artistic decision. Yes, and if there's artistic merit to it as well, that's a bonus. Anyway, it, on that, it, on that, which I, I, I'm, I'm fine with this. I, and I know we're close to wrapping up, but I am fine with this. I don't care that the business. It's, it's literally immaterial which way the business is going. I just find it fascinating to comment on because I'm old enough to have seen it work. A different way. It may work fine. It won't work as well. It won't be the customer base won't be big enough to have it work as well as it used to. But it may be artistically better, or it may just be artistically that we have defined for wrestling what wrestling is and can only be ten years from now. Fortunately, it's one of those things where, at least still for now, you have enough variety of styles that if. A is not your taste. You still have B. You know, our. I guess there's. I guess you know there will always be alternatives. You, just, you have to sort of try harder to find them. And now you know. You know all of the you know all of these super indies are on the internet, so you can easily get a hold of them. You know, back in our day, you know where you lived is what you got. You know whether it's, you know your sports teams or your wrestling or whatever. I luckily, you know, lived, right. I luckily lived right. in the, in the battleground. So I got like the choice when they started, you know, fighting for the, ter- fighting for, for land or territory, however you want to say it. But, you know, now, I mean, you know, we get, we get three CML shows to watch every week for free, whether or not they're worth watching is a different issue, but, you know, the fact that, you know, we get almost an entire, like, day's work, 24 hours of wrestling every week for free, you know, is certainly different than tape, you know, to bring this back around, you know, like, the, the Atlantis-Viano match was, like, I think one of the first things when I started getting tapes from High Spots, back when they carried you know, all of that lucha, you know, I was, you know, I mean, I had done some tape trading with like, you know, people from the, you know, 
back when Dave ran the classifieds, and you know, you got stuff from Lynch or McAdam or whoever. You know, like I don't think I didn't get much lucha then. I was just getting territory stuff, but it wasn't until you know, high spots started offering like the lucha pay per views every you know every couple of months or whatever. That I that was like the first time that I really got to watch lucha because I don't live, uh, you know, I did not live in like a a large yeah a place a place where lucha libre ran. Right. Although it's funny because. You know, demographically, I am not all that far from, like, a vast, you know, uh, Hispanic population that lives, you know, in Pennsylvania to work in the, to work in the mushroom houses. Which is why I've always thought, like, it would actually be cool to actually run Lucha, like, up in Pennsylvania because there's, there's a sizable amount of, people that would probably come watch it. But, uh, yeah, so, like, I remember, you know, getting all of that Lucha then, because we did not have, you know, again, where I live, we did not have Galavision, so I did not see Lucha until, I think, I moved in, like, the 2000s, where it was actually a place on my on our cable. Little did I know that, uh, you know what I, I would end up watching a large, uh, large portion of my time would be would end up watching the uh, Baruquas versus the Capos and not re- realizing is all lucha this bad, yeah. and which again <laughs> brings us brings us back to to Poder Mexico and Piroth and Dos Leyendas in a couple weeks. Little did I know then yeah, that this guy would be many would be many many inventing a. Uh, CML second biggest show 15 years from now. Yeah, it's 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 sad that it has come to that, but it is not the commonplace. There's still much to recommend about watching the Friday night shows for free when they air for free, which is you know 45 to 50 weeks a year that you'll get a good signal and be able to watch main promo- promotions house show, the last promotion in the world that's really a house show promotion. Although I guess New Japan really isn't that far behind, but um, well, it's it's funny a, that an old-fashioned way of booking and and a fan base that is unique to in the rest of the world to the to the rest of the world. And the other funny thing is when we talk about expectations, you know, everyone dreaded the the Parejas tournament coming because it's like the worst tournament of the year. And it turns out we may end up, we may have gotten the Lucha match of the year in the final. And who would have expected that? (laughs) Yes. You know, it it makes the good, as as my dad would say when we go see a bad movie, it says it makes you appreciate the good movies all the much more. To realize that people could spend millions of dollars and lives and et cetera and put out crappy movies and stuff like that or movies that are funny to some people but you, you don't find funny etc cetera, etc cetera, you know there there trust me there will be plenty of lucha libre in the uh in, in the august september october area that it will be the focus of the wrestling world and i am looking forward to a very strong second half of the year all throughout mexico lucha underground should be back um 
um, CMLL should have a major, major show, which may even have Rush versus Atlantis, which is the biggest match they could possibly run with their current top talent base. And AAA is running the biggest match it's had since its very first Triple Mania. So I am very enthused for Lucha for this year. That's well, my wrap-up. I'm sure we'll we'll probably talk before then, but... I hope. Do you, th- do you think... Who do you think is is going to – do you think Wagner is actually going to lose or do you think Psycho Clown's going – I thought for a while that Psycho Clown's probably going to lose. Most people, I think Psycho Clown is going to lose. I think if they have the money, Wagner's going to lose. I think in the end, I suspect that is how they're going to do it. They're going to feel they need to keep Psycho Clown in the promotion. Um, if if uh, um, Wagner gets the price he wants, I mean, he wasn't opposed to losing his mask in the – the past he just had an exorbitant price for it but he, he wasn't opposed to losing it so i'm not as as that doesn't strike me as an unreal concept for somebody that's as old as he has in it and hasn't made as much money in this um you know last five years of where someone like him you would think would be just right up there with pentagon jr and others very charismatic a first class worker a little bit of an old school worker but a first class worker the equal of almost anyone in Mexico at, at any level that you would thought he would have been a bigger star than he is now. And I suspect if they, he can get the money, he's going to take it. The thing that I wonder about, and again, you know, these are things, you know, you don't know about, but it's like with everybody leaving AAA and as, and the people I've asked say, there's no heat. It's like, why psycho clown, you know, does not go to work, for the promotion where his family and his wife's family all are, you know, and not put up with the stuff you put up with in AAA. You know, it seems to me that, and you know, like I said, unless there's heat, like why does he not work for CMLL is, is sort of a mystery to me. People, and people like me have been expecting him to jump for the past two years. I don't think he's going to jump between now and and. August show. The one thing I really, really would be just amazed at is if this this match with Wagner and Psycho Clown didn't go off. I could see if they if they get nervous about Wagner about them putting other people in the match at the last minute if they have to. But I mean, AAA has got itself in a corner that where it, if it comes off, they could come out looking like roses and smelling like roses. It could save the whole promotion, but they've got to run this mask and they match and they've got to do whatever they can to run this match. And I think they will make psycho clown the sort of person that, that the, you know, that the triple H's and, and Orton's and et cetera, are in WWE that have rules unto themselves. I don't think that he is going to be, um, and probably hasn't been for a little while, um, subject to the normal bullshit triple a bullshit i suspect he gets treated at a level above that and that's one reason why he's willing to stay and another reason why is is if he goes to cmll he will he will not be the number one baby face in the promotion or the number two or the number three even with with the family history and stuff like that and here he's got a chance to be the biggest baby face star in the biggest match for a televisa promotion and he's probably going to come out just smelling like roses right after august the 26th that national tv exposure cannot be underestimated even though it's a relatively um you know weak weak rated program it's still national tv beyond what any promotion has outside of wwe in the world 
Yeah, that all makes sense. It's just, I guess, sort of from a from a logic standpoint, it would seem to me, you know, yeah, yeah, he will not be. He probably will not be. He would probably, unfortunately, probably end up being like at the same level as Puma and Tiger. Like he, you know, he could be, you know, at you know at you know at Maximus. A Valiente, I, I, a Valiente, or right below a Valiente. Well, I was gonna say like basically at the same level as Maximo, you know, and you could team them up or whatever, and yeah. And again, what the worst Maximo, thing you can, the world heavyweight champion. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna say one of the worst things you can ever do is try and book fancy book trip or fancy book CMLL because it's pointless. You know, it's like of all you know, you could have a hundred great ideas and like maybe two of them might ever happen someday. And it's like, you know, why aren't you know why were Puma and Tiger going to be pushed last year and then they weren't and then, you know, they're not on this show and it's like, well. You know why are the pan the Panthers were kind of being pushed for a while and you know and now you've got the you know the junior Dinamitas who are like the flavor of the month but you know in six months they'll be back to being in the third match again. It seems it's. Ch- I hope it's, it does it in that way. I mean the the technical answer was they got thrown off by the fact that they weren't sure which of their baby faces or or Rush they were going to be able to keep who WWE was going to take who New Japan was going to take. That would be their answer if you could book Paco and his booking committee into a corner and say, we got stuck. We we had to throw our, our plans off to the side a little bit, but I, you know, that's, that's just, that's a very defensive answer by them, but they, they kind of get, they get caught in left field. The, the Sombra not going to new Japan as they had promised new Japan and as Okamura had been expecting really, really kind of threw them for a loop and made them have to rethink, well, how many of our other guys do we want to push? Because we can't be sure that they're not going to go somewhere else. And now they'll probably anyway. You know, anyway, that's that's probably good for another episode in a month or two. I was gonna say, and you know, I think I think another we're show. all yeah. I was gonna say, I think we're all expecting Dragon Lee to end up in New Japan. You know that he'll get yeah, the, or the, WWE. He, he's gone within the next two years to one of those two programs. Has his rush. It's just when that when that WWE or New Japan wants to wants to 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 fish, officially pull the trigger on it. The only good thing is, by then they'll probably be tired of Sombra and he'll be back. It's uh, it's almost like you're trading one for the other. Yeah, and or and or Grand Metali, who's who's as you can tell by by the the if the phone's not ringing, it must be him. He's he's there, but if you can find him, you you'll you'll you know you found Wally. True. So. Uh, do you have anything to plug, Steve? I guess other than your I have of... no, 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 no. I have nothing to plug. Plug this podcast. This is the greatest. Po- your your variety of interests closely aligning with mine. Although I'm not the, quite the comics fan, obviously, but check out back. Even check out the stuff that we've done in the past. Check out check out some of the very very recent shows that you have had. The Chavo Guerrero show. Check out the the you know the old issues of the of have we said it yet the magazine yeah I'm gonna say there's I don't know I don't know if there'll be one this year there could be the uh, I did want to say well I'm ready if called upon but I mean if the people haven't read the old ones they're they're there yeah uh, yeah uh, before I forget I did want to say that uh, we were talking about 
the Atlantis Viano match from back then. I know that Frito and Kurt are also going to be talking about it on their show this week. So I certainly want to encourage right. I want to encourage people who may have been intrigued by us discussing it to make sure they listen to Lucha Classica where they're going to talk about it, I believe, this week or next week for and I, I would recommend people watch the match before they hear that show, too. Yeah, th- yeah, there are, I think, at least four different versions on YouTube. I mean, they're all basically the same time, so I assume they're all the the, the entirety of the thing. You know, it's little, depending on when you start and end. But, the, you know, the complete match is there. Definitely watch it, like I said. Like we said, it's the only Lucha match to ever win match of the year from the Observer so you know, the fact that it beat whatever, whatever Japanese match, probably people thought was going to win. I don't remember what. It was two thousand. I think it was one of the, the Hell in the Cells. I think was second. I I, I was think. going I was going to look and then I didn't get around to it. But I know it probably. Fi- I would bet it finished in the top ten. The two thousand because I was there and so was Dave was the Regal versus Benoit match at the Pillman show. Yeah. yeah. I, I bet that's probably in the top 10, although I don't know. It was, I think years before that actually came out on video, but people probably still voted for it anyway. But yes, but it's definitely, you know, it's historic. Like you said, it's probably one of the 10 most important Lucha matches in recent history. If not, oh, I'd the say most. it might be 10, one of the 10 most important matches ever. It was a landslide, um, um, it, it was a very important match for future business. It created a whole new date of very high-paying shows, um, a whole new series, a, a, a second mega show recurring annual date. And it was a classic, and it was the sort of – I mean, you, you will see. If you've seen – and most people who've listened to this show, who listen to this um, show will have seen Atlantis and Ultimo Guerrero. And if you've seen that but not seen the Viano 3 – Mask match, it's like night and day from the the screaming of the crowd and the the violence and the simulated violence and the passion of everything there. It, it's something you will look at it and you say, "Wow, I wish this sort of match would come back." Was that wasn't that was that also the first CMLL pay per view, or had one of the anniversary shows was? I th- no, I, I think want- it was. I think it was the first one. That's what I thought, but I wasn't 100 percent sure. But yeah, so it it's just... first, I mean, they they were they were the last place on earth that you would expect to uh, be uh, until they hired J.C. Rivera, um, Julius Caesar Rivera. Until then, to be on the cutting edge of technology. But this was like a first-rate video, and a, no promotion in the world that I have ever seen, major promotion captures the actual reactions of its fans the level of noise the amount of noise the passion behind the noise i don't know how they book it It, of course for many years it was televisa which is the enormous uh, company much bigger than nbc universal Um, and so they have access to very high level equipment but they make the the aura and the scenery of the uh, of the events that happened in Arena Mexico, and back then was no exception. They 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 put you right as if you were there. 
and the good old days of the uh, replays when you got to see the x-rays. That was always my favorite thing in watching Lucha from that era. Because it was so... La, 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 La Repe and seeing them do the move so close up tight, you see the kick actually best. I don't know. I just That's one of those things that was so sort of camp... I don't know if it's campy or over the top. Campy. Or what you, but, you know, it's like that's one of those things missing from, like, the current... It's like that and the skits. It's like we do not have Lucha skits anymore. Well, you not know. with CMLL at all, it really. No, it's it's funny that we, we almost had them, sometime, was it last year? When they started doing the, like, with, uh, you remember they, they did the one with Maximo and Rush? Where, like, Maximo had, like, vandalized Rush's locker room? Like, they... they oh, s- uh, yes, 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 yes. They... They, they were doing a couple for – that was during that time when, like, before Sonelli was wrestling, she was, like, the hostess of the show, and they were kind of doing weird – It's see how it's, like, every so often they'll start doing things for, like, two weeks and then stop. So, you remember, they started doing interviews for a while, and then they stopped, and then they started yeah. again, what? and then they stopped. I mean, they had this show called Rastelona for years that was, like, the best non-wrestling, like, but wrestling-connected show every week it was like it was an amazing thing to see and then of course they just get like like you say they got tired of it one day and when they didn't do anything about it anymore and certainly the the skits back from back in the day you know i think most of these are probably on youtube if people are curious it's like you know the halloween one the porky dreaming about a sandwich shocker uh ribbing the guapos to get their hair dyed the wrong color you know my favorite i think is my favorite is still the dr wagner silver king cat one i think that's that will always be my all-time favorite you know and then we had you know and then of course baby marvin you're gonna have to put in so many so many links in your in your show notes and show wrap up i'm just gonna go go to youtube and type these things in you'll find them okay (laughs) there you go so so thanks, as always, for your time, Steve. And hopefully it will not be so long before you're back on the show again. We'll oh, find that's, some... that's fine. You, you, you are a man of many interests, and I understand. And it's, it's good to talk with you again. You, you are, are a person of, of, you know, a very similar background and et cetera to me. This is the funnest time I have had in maybe so far this year. Yeah, it's weird that we've actually done three wrestling shows in a row. I try not to do that, but we had some people... Well, Chavo died. Chavo died. So. Well, yeah, it was Chavo died, and then Ivan died. And, no, but, I mean, I had I had some stuff scheduled that didn't come through, and, like, you know, they got pushed back, and, you know, these things happen. And, I mean, the, the one that I did with my old film professor, I think... A, that was like four months from the first time I asked until we actually did it because of schedules and holidays yeah. and things like that. So, you know, some, you know, some shows are evergreen, some shows are not. So I don't mind waiting to do the evergreen ones, but this one, you know, we needed to get done before the show. So 
I wanted to make yeah. sure we got it done. Like I said, thanks. Before Steve. that, and before the before the official first pitch of of, of the 2017 baseball season, too. Yes, I mean, which means this is this will be like I think the third year in a row where I try and get Ultraman is black to come on the show to talk baseball. I'm sure I won't, but I will again try for. You know, because I cannot have enough pods where I talk wrestling and baseball with people. Sort of like when I combine wrestling and hockey. You know, those are th- those things always go so well together. But, Steve, once again, thanks, and we will talk to everybody next time.